0: Welcome to the Leadership Secrets Podcast, where we bring you no BS, practical advice from the experts that are doing it. Now, here's your host, Lee Lisenby.
1: All right, welcome to our podcast, Leadership Secrets. This is your host, Lee Lisenby. I have a very special guest on today, Thomas Caresti. He is a Leadership expert He's a former CEO of uh, some pretty large companies. I saw one of the company was a billion dollar uh, commercial goods uh, food place. I believe I'll let Thomas expand on that. He is a best-selling author of the Four Keys uh, Leadership Success. He is a strategic advisor to boards and C-suites, executive coach, educator, and mentor. Tom, thanks for being on the show how are you man
0: lee thank you so much for having me and uh i hope i can live up to that grandiose introduction
1: <laughs> and for our listeners uh, i always try to bring you someone who's actually doing it i mean I, I think it's so valuable to get some leaders in here who have done it before uh tom is definitely one of those people not only has he done it and done it well but now he's out there teaching and uh still building other leaders out there so i think it's a very great thing he's doing today uh Recommend you follow his LinkedIn profile. It's, there's some good stuff on there. Uh, Tom, really quick, give us a quick introduction. You know what you've done, what you're currently doing, maybe some passions of yours.
0: Well, the the thing that I'm most proud of is all the mistakes I made. Because right? uh, you, you learn from your You make some stupid mistakes. You make some little mistakes. You make some big mistakes. But as long as you're learning from it, then you're growing. Uh, otherwise, it's just stuff that happens to you. And um, you know, that kind of led me to write the book, which is C-Suite and Beyond, The Four, ladies, four, four Keys to Leadership Success, because it's really a collection of lifetime stories of, you know, wins and losses and what I've learned. And, you know, sometimes it's much easier to, to learn from other people's uh, mistakes than your own. Uh, it's less painful. So, you know, I, uh, I hope some people read it and uh, learn from my mistakes. So they don't make the same ones.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean... Actually, I and have that book on my list. I haven't read it yet, but wow, that's great. Mistakes, because you know, I make a ton of those myself. Yeah, constantly growing, huh? Do you have any uh, like hobbies, passions you're currently working on? Any other books in the work?
0: I've got, when I when I set up my book, uh, you know, there's five keys. Actually, there's four keys and a, a bonus key, which I talk about later. Uh, so what it allows me to do is really do a di- deep dive on each one of those principles and, and develop a book on each one of those. And I'm in the process of doing two more books, uh, one on culture and one on vision. Um, and then also I started writing on a team. So I don't know, I'm kind of writing all two and three at the same time. And See which everyone you know resonates with me a, a little bit, and when I when I wrote the first book, um, I, I was really motivated. Dove in. I I spent probably about you know three four hours each and every day on developing material, writing material, rewriting it, etc. And uh, I just need to fire you know light a fire under my butt to get that passion back. And you know I, I'm kind of doing it haphazardly rather than really you know, really focusing on deep diving and, and doing it diligently. So I, I need a, I need an accountability partner to call me every day and say, Tom, have you spent two hours on the books today?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, like a workout partner, but for writing, huh? Yeah. That's great. I, I can't wait that culture book comes out. That's something I I saw in your profile. That's something you're big on. And I tell you, it's something right now that's so needed in the world we're in today. I know it's something i struggle with my company, and I think a lot of other companies are struggling as well, trying to really key in on that culture. And I really think our retention rates and our turnover is a, a big reflector of what our culture is like, and you know we're struggling in many areas. So, and kind of digging on that a little bit, what what what's your uh, philosophies behind culture?
0: Well, my philosophy is: look, all organizations have a culture, right? whether they like it or not, whether they design it or not, they have it. You know, I, I worked with a as a home improvement company and and they didn't pay attention to the culture they just had a you know what i call a totally toxic culture they had a revolving door of people coming in and out and um you know to to them culture was non-existent they didn't understand what the culture was the the whole concept was foreign to them yet they had a culture right the culture was you know lie, steal cheat (laughs) And, (laughs) and because and because of that you know people were using it as a revolving you know door they would come in and you know, they were either, you know, dumb enough or or smart enough, but then they figured out over you know, a period of time that, you know, it, it doesn't work, right? So that's, um, so, so all organizations are going to have a culture. Um, it's just whether or not you pay attention to it and you design it. Um, and more importantly, not just design it, but live it. So the other reason some cultures break down is because people are not living it. Right. So there, there may be a poster on the wall, there may be a saying, maybe something on their website. But then when you walk through the crowd and you walk through the, you know, the hallways and the employees and, you know, the the peers and and the subordinates and and you find that they, they're they not living it. So in a healthy organization, whatever that culture is right uh, in a healthy organization, I always say, look, whether you're, you know, cleaning the toilets or whether you're sitting in the corner office of the CEO you share the same values and you share share the same culture because you signed that's what you signed up for and if the other guys not living it you should be able to call them out you should be able to call them out and say hey that's you know that's not really according to our shared values that really doesn't really support a culture and I think that's where it breaks down, uh, where, you know, people say, oh, well, we should have a culture. Everybody else has a culture. So, you know, you know, they listen to guys like John Maxwell that says, you know, culture eats vision for lunch. Oh, so, so that, that means, you know, if we have a vision, we must have a culture. And uh, but, but the problem is, is, is they don't live it. Um, and, and a good culture is really, um, you know, one, if, if, look, if you don't have a culture in your organization, then by all means, get all the honchos in the room and figure out what your culture should be and, and agree on that and make sure your organization buys into it. Uh, and then the, the, the other issue is, uh, you know, if, if you don't really have a, a clear culture, when people join your organization, uh, I tell this to people all the time, look, before you take the interview, it's so easy now to go on any company's website and look at that website and say, all right, do I see anything about shared values in a culture? And, and if I do, Does that resonate with me can i thrive in that environment or and you know that kind of rubs me the wrong way you know i don't know if i can thrive in that environment look if if you can't thrive in an environment don't even take the interview because within six months once you're hired if you're hired you're out you're either going to quit they're going to fire you because you're not a fit right um or if you go to the website and you don't see a culture or shared values and it's not clear to you that there actually is one again don't take the interview because why would you want to go into an environment where you're not sure what the dna is and and then you're you know six months from now you're miserable
1: i think you just dropped like 20 bombs there that's <laughs> great i'm glad i'm recording this i'm going to go back and listen to that again that's great uh i just had a conversation today at work and our ceo is pushing us to re- improve retention and uh everyone's first response is we got to pay them more fortunately we're not paying them enough and we are already feel like we're paying the top end of most companies are paying like guys if it's all about money you I mean, look at the southwest airlines and american airlines i mean people take pay cuts to work at southwest or southwest airlines same with uh chick-fil-a and mcdonald's they pay the same amount of money yet the staff at chick-fil-a is you know much better and just because of their culture i mean culture is a huge piece of this puzzle and i'm really glad i have you on today that was great uh another big thing we're uh Another thing we're big on here in our Leadership Secrets podcast is personal development. Uh, I think I picked that up from the military. I, I found the leaders that I've worked for, the ones that had some personal development, uh, they typically were was generally better leaders. And for a variety of reasons, do you have any perf- personal development habits of your own that
0: you could share with us? Yeah. Uh, look, if you don't have personal development habits, then <laughs> dig a grave now and, and bury yourself six foot under. I mean, you know, <laughs> you, you stop living. Um let me just comment really quickly on what you said before about the uh, pay raises. Like, you know, your boss said we gotta give people more pay. Look, um if 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 let's let's say you're successful in keeping somebody because you gave them a raise, you know, guess what? The next, you know, bigger offer that comes along, they're gonna leave anyway. Right, so so if the if if it's just about money, yeah, obviously you should compensate people in your inside your organization so that they're happy. That's part of the equation of of your culture, right? But if all it is is about money, well, anybody can outbid you there, right? If right. if they just want to hire somebody away and it and and it's just about money, they say, oh, well, we'll give you another fifteen percent, and boom, they're gone. So that's you know I don't think that's necessarily the answer. That that's part of the answer, but that's not all the answer. But regarding uh, you know personal development. Uh, there's some things that I do. Um, so, uh, one of the things that I do is whenever I have any kind of activity at the end of the activity, I take a break and I say, okay, whatever I did, was it successful or was it not successful? That's so I I go on a sales call, right? I sit down with a customer and after I have, you know, and there's, there's a process that I go through whenever I sit down with a customer, whether it's a new customer or an existing customer. There's a process and we can talk about that if you want. But there's a process that I go through. And at the end of the process, you know, one of two things will happen. Either I got the deal or I didn't get the deal, right? And then either way, I do some reflections. I say, okay, why, why didn't I get the deal? What, what did I break down the, you know, did I miss part of the steps in one of the processes? You know, that's why I didn't get the deal. Is it that, you know, sometimes you just walk into a room and a hair goes up on the back of your neck and a hair goes up on the back of the other person's neck and... You just don't gel you don't hit it off and there's nothing you can do you just you know there, there's zero chemistry there so you know why is it that i didn't get the deal or if i did get the deal you know can i sense to say okay, at, at what point was i able to you know really convince and and uh, maybe not convince but influence the other individual to really go with my you know proposal versus somebody else's proposal so you know, anytime I, I, you know, I have a, a sales meeting or something like that, I, the, the first thing I do is just kind of walk out and say, okay, what worked and what didn't work. So next time I go into a situation, I can, I can improve.
1: Well, it's a great one.
0: You know? And and then, you know, also it, it's always good, you know, maybe once or twice a year, you kind of sit down and, and look at um, your priorities, you know, where were your priorities set right uh, going forward for the next three to six months. Are you going to, you know, make your priorities the same? Are you going to switch them up a little bit? Uh, because yeah. Um, you know, you, you kind of want to learn from your mistakes and say, okay, I don't want to make the same mistakes again. So what have I learned? Um, not just from sales meeting, but what I ever learned from last three months, you know, was my business growing? was my you know, business not growing. I mean, you know, when I work for large multinationals, quarterly business reviews were part of the process, right? I mean, I was CEO and, and I would spend, you know, a full day at minimum every quarter with every company that reported to me for a full business review that was going through all the activities that was going through, you know, the l So it was going through the financials, but it was going through the marketing plans, sales plans and everything else. And it was just every review to the okay, well, we agreed to do X, Y, and Z this year, and now we're three months into it. How are we doing? Do yeah. we need to fine tune anything do you need more help for me, do you need more support for me, you know how can I help you. Uh, to make those you know plans a reality and then we'll meet again in three months, and if there was a problem, then I would fly and I would I, I flew into Brazil once a month. You know, Brazil was one of the companies that was reporting to me and and once so you know three days every month, I was in Brazil, because you know there were some issues that we're trying to overcome. Okay.
1: You lived a, a great you have a great career there flying in Brazil once a month man that's a i've never even been there. I can't imagine flying once a month there uh, outside of just like your day- to-day work uh routine habits do you have do you like about education do you read any books like what types of books do you read uh, and how often do you read books outside of you know just personal books or personal development books
0: sorry um i i don't have you know like a personal target to say i'm going to read x y and you know i'm going to read three books a year or five books a year uh mm-hmm. you know obviously um you know i'm part of the john maxwell organization so every time john brings up a new book i try to read that um you know simon sinek just uh, brought out a book uh, i i think about maybe nine months ago six months ago so Uh, I really wanted to read that. So I read that. So it's, it's not more, it's not really a target to say I got to read three or four books a year. Um, It's more like, okay, that's, you know, and and look, it doesn't have to be a book, right. Um, You know, LinkedIn has a lot of, you know, what I call influencers uh, that have these very short, you know, 90 second videos. Um, You know, Jay Shetty is one that I watch all the time. You know, he's, He's a young, you know, Indian dude out of uh, California, and uh, he's got a lot of good material. Uh, some of it I agree with, some of it I don't agree with, right? So I kind of look at that as well.
1: Jay, what's his last name? Jay Shetty. Shetty? Let I me mean, look him up. Awesome. Uh, so this podcast is kind of designed, or more so designed, for frontline leaders, new leaders, uh, people who have been newly promoted to a leadership position. I've often found that they get into these leadership positions and they're tasked with all types of things that they're not, you know, they're getting trained on basically. And it's something they're not comfortable with yet, but they also have this leadership reporting piece to it. And sometimes they're kind of stuck in their old habits and they're trying to do the job they used to do, but that's what they're competent at. Uh, so I always try to like help new managers with, you know, productivity uh, time management or whatever it may be. Do you have any productivity hacks or secrets for our guests or our listeners?
0: Well, look, um, management is doing things right. Leadership is doing the right things. So let me give you an example. As a, you know, I graduated from college and my first job, uh, was with Colgate from Olive and I was a shift supervisor in a factory. Right. Uh, so, uh, Two weeks a month, I would take the day shift and then one week a month I was on the uh, four to 12 shift. And then uh, one week a month I was on the midnight shift, 12 to 8 a.m. And that was kind of a road thing. And that was my first job out of college. And I was in charge of of, uh, quote unquote, supervising a a production area uh, for toothpaste. And, uh, you know, I remember being on a, on a midnight shift for the first time. So I was, and, and what happened, it was a very, very, uh, uh unionized shop, right? So there was a lot of old rules, a lot of old habits, goes to the unions, you know, kind of entrenched And you know, I was the rookie coming in and you know, from their perspective, they see rookies coming in and all the time, because, you know, most guys that graduated from college, they would go to the factory for, there would be a shift supervisor. That was like the first stop in a company. And. You know they may be there for six nine months and then they move on to you know different positions so it was kind of a rotating um, you know area so nobody paid attention to ships it was this because they're like you know here comes Tom. who the hell help us think thing is right and when when i first got on a midnight shift i was you know they they had two production lines running and and those guys were working all night right and and then they had this other guy who was his job was supplies right so his his job was to make sure there's you know, cartons and corrugated and, you know, whatever they needed on a production line. So so this guy would get on his forklift truck, you know, bring stuff over to the production line and, and within 45 minutes, he was done. And for the rest of the night, he'd go to sleep. <laughs> and I, I just didn't think it was fair that one guy, you know, works for an hour and sleeps for seven. And then the other five guys, you know, six guys are, are working for eight hours, you know, but I kind of was like unionized and stuff and it just fucked the hell out of me. Um, so the guy was saying, well, no, you know, you can't tell me what to do. I've been on this job for 20 years and blah, 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 blah. This is the way I do it. So, you know, go stick your head in the sand. And so I kind of read up on the rules and I said, look, one of the things that I talked to my boss about it, and one of the things is I I can give him miscellaneous tasks. That was part of my job description and part of his job description. So I basically said, all right, well, miscellaneous task was you got to clean up the place. So I had him clean the you know, walls and all kinds of stuff. Because it just got under my skin that, you know, here's a guy that sleeping for seven hours and everybody else is working hard. So <laughs> uh, you know, he he was he was livid, right? But he had to do it because he talked to his union rep and union, rep said, yeah, the guy's right, you gotta, you know, he's giving you miscellaneous tasks. It's you your task to do it. And but what happened in, you know, in, in the meantime is is in the eyes of the mechanics, in the eyes of the production guys, you know, I I rose a lot right because they saw it was unfair too right, right. so yeah. kind of fairness won out and all of a sudden i i built a lot of um you know uh, i would say a, a lot of rapport a, a lot of um emotional i call them an emotional bank accounts uh w- with these guys to to say hey you know tom's got our back so when tom needs us you know we're gonna have his back as well right? and i was just a guy out of college i was brand new Right? And that, I think it was a great example of leadership where you just do the right thing. people you know people treat people with respect um, and and it and it works out.
1: So I'm just curious, how long did that guy work one hour a day? I mean, how long had that been going on
0: before you got there? Oh, I would say at least twenty years. <laughs>
1: yeah. that's, that's a, it blows my mind that kind of stuff happened because you know the other shit supervisors have probably seen this. I'm sure they had, and no one said anything about it because they're probably just too. You know, that didn't have the the guts to go go tell them to, to to do some other work. That's crazy. That's a good way to build influence though with your team. That was a great great example. Yeah. So I feel like you already answered my next question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, so if you had to give one advice to a newly promoted leader, what would that be?
0: Um. The equivalent of our corporate culture is an individual's character, right? And, um, in the end, you know, I don't care if you're a CEO or, you know, a first time, you know, shift supervisor in the end, people buy into you. And, and that's really what happened with me on that shift supervisor job Was people bought into me, they, they bought into my action, they bought into my authenticity and, and people buy into you and they will follow you because it, look, if, if, If they don't know who you are, or I'm sorry, if you don't know who you are, then people can't buy into you because they don't know who you are. Right. So, so understand who you are, understand what your character is, understand what your values are. And then, you know, people can buy into, um, and, you know, make that transparent, form those relationships with those folks. Um, because in the end, you know, people don't follow titles. People don't follow offices. People follow people. And if they don't understand who you are and what you're about, they're not going to follow you. That's great.
1: I like that one a lot. That's very true, too. I have a few managers under me that I need to give that advice to. That's great. Uh, so this is the Leadership Secrets podcast. So our big our big uh, piece on this podcast is kind of the premise behind why I put this podcast together. Is just because throughout my career, I've, I've found that there's things that I feel like leaders should be doing that aren't. Like the majority of leaders aren't doing one thing that I feel like they should be doing always continuous education. I feel like some of the leaders I worked for would just pick up some leadership books and read it. They'd be you know, a much better leader. Uh, do you have any leadership secrets that you feel like more leaders should be doing out there in the world?
0: Well, there's a thousand secrets, but you know, just like in a moment like this, you know how do you answer that question? you know you asked about what books that I like to read. One of the books, uh, one of the books that I loved was, uh, when Rudy Giuliani, you know, he's a controversial, you know, figure now. But when he was mayor of New York City, there were 9/11. Uh, he he took a really, you know, classic leadership role. And and if you book, if you read his book, and I think it's called Leadership by Rudy Giuliani. Uh, one of the things he says is he says never ask somebody to do something you're not willing to do yourself. And and what happens is, you know, a lot of leaders are, you know, kind of telling people what to do instead of instead of showing them what to do. Um, and, and that's one of the principles that that I always uh, apply to myself is is to say, look, you know, before I ask anybody to to do any task, I should have a fairly good idea of how the task is being done, um, and I should be able to show that individual how the task is being done, uh, so they can follow my example rather than telling them what to do, showing them what to do, and okay. and and to me, that's a world of difference between telling and showing.
1: Well. So the, yeah, I skipped that question. The uh, book you recommend. So that, would that be the book you recommend leaders to read? Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that certainly, you know, any of the Maxwell books, uh, you know, like like I said, Simon Sinek has good books. Um, the, the only, you know, and I hope Simon is not listening to this podcast, but the um, the only thing I would say about Simon is, is um, you know, he, he has some great uh, points about leadership but he's never really led a large organization, right? So, you know, he he talks more about hearsay rather than from personal experience. Uh, But what he says, you know, does make a lot of sense. So I I love his stuff, but uh, he's never really led a large organization. Uh, Rudy Giuliani, I mean, you know, heck he he led New York city. So that's, you know, (laughs) New York city is bigger than most of, you know, countries in the world. uh, so, you know, any of Rudy's books, uh, Jack Welsh's book, I read, you know, Straight from the Gut, which is a great book from Jack Welsh and, you know, with his experience at GE. Um, you know, I learned in that book that, uh, you know, up until I read that book, uh, I led, quote unquote, a double life. You know, I, I read a life where uh, I really didn't want to because I didn't think it was proper to form for personal relationships at work. You know, to me, work was very professional. It was very distant. I, I really didn't have any close relationship with work. And then there was my private life where I had a lot of, you know, close relationships with people. And then after reading Jack Welch's book and, and how his direct reports almost were like a family, wives got together. Uh, they went on trips together, you know, vacations together. So they were forming, you know, that that very important, you know, trust me concept uh, and look, you know, you're going to trust a person not in the boardroom. You're going to trust somebody, you know, when you did something with them, you know, either, you know, they backed you up in a bar fight, you know, after, you know, <laughs> or two o'clock in the morning or whatever. So, so you form those relationships outside of work. Um, and and that's a mistake I made early on in, in my life, in my career, where I I separated those. I separated my private life from my work life. And then as I got more mature, I understood the value of of really forming closer relationships with my inner circle. Uh, so we are always there to support each other, um, and that really came from Jack Welch's, you know, book.
1: I haven't read that one. I've read the, the Winning. Jack Welch is one of the mm-hmm. books. I read that when I was getting out of the Navy, and I had it. A, a friend of mine burning it on a compact disc. That's how long ago that was. And I just listened to it in my truck over and over and over again. That that book was amazing. I loved it. I I need to read that, when you just mentioned. But speaking of relationships, uh, recently, uh, when the foreman came up to me and asked if they could start a softball team, like out in town, they want to get a team together, be sponsored by our company. And the entry was like pretty, pretty cheap. So like, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, I thought maybe a handful of people want to go do it. We had so many people volunteer for that or want to be on that team. We had to make two teams. And uh, I think now we, we got so many people on those two teams really could probably have three. I hear more stories, comments, and thank yous just by that alone. I, they go out and they play these games, and they, you know they're, they're practicing together. They're, they're building that bond together. This because of a softball team. So that, that's a good point about you know, relationships that work.
0: Excellent. Well, they call us people. They call us human beings, not human doings. <laughs> right, because we, we like being. Like we we enjoy life. We enjoy playing softball. We enjoy, you know, eating together. I mean, you know people eating sharing sharing a meal together is as old as you know human mankind and and it's not about a, a function of, of feeding yourself which is part of it yeah obviously you want to feed your body but it's more about enjoying time together with somebody else sharing food sharing drinks getting to know the individual i mean that's that's as old as you know you and kind
1: never thought about it that way though
0: that's true you no know, well, we t- had uh, we just we were living overseas for many many years and you know, um, expat families tend to a little bit closer because that's like the the family unit when you're living overseas in different countries. And uh, when we moved back to the U.S., you know, we heard on the radio that you know, like uh, they were recommending that Tuesday would be family dinner day or something. I don't know, some some crazy like that. You know, one day is family dinner day, and my kids were like, "What do you mean? Like we eat together as family every day?" And that's what do you mean? You have to designate a day for a family to eat together? That's kind of crazy um but you know we we just as a family we're close because we had dinner together every night and you share stories how was your day how was your day what you do what you do? You know, so that's uh you know that just a rabbit hole sorry about that
1: no that's great i love listening to that story i'm thinking about my own family like man we we don't do a good enough job at that i've got teenage boys so they're they're off doing their thing. It's typically just my wife and I now. We used to always sit around and, and eat together. And we haven't done that in a long time. I'm glad you shared that. Right, so how old were your your kids when you were overseas?
0: Uh, one was actually born overseas. Um, so uh, we were still overseas when my, my oldest daughter went off to university in Florida. We're still living overseas. And then when my middle daughter went off to university, uh, that was the last year we were overseas, uh, because then we had two kids in the U S in universities. And then my, my youngest daughter, uh, was born overseas. Uh, she was, I think seventh grade when we moved back to the U S now they're all adults. The youngest one is 27. So
1: yeah, I saw on your, your experience. You had a couple of jobs overseas in pretty cool locations. Well, Tom, yeah. that's a, that's the end of the, the podcast here. Uh, can you tell people how they can find you, how they can follow you?
0: Uh, pretty easy. Uh, you know, you, you kind of read my bio on LinkedIn and uh, I'm cursed and blessed with the last name, Caresti. It's K-E-R-E-S-Z-T-I. If you Google that name, you'll find myself, my two daughters and my sister. <laughs> uh, it's a fairly unique name. So if you go to LinkedIn, you look at Caresti, I'll pop right up. Um, And then also with my two daughters, um, if you go to Amazon and and look for the book, C-Suite and beyond the four keys to leadership success, uh, you'll find me that way. So you can kind of track me down fairly easy. And I have a, a pretty open policy. You just go to my website, fill in a form that you want to talk to me. I'll do a free consultation with you for 20 minutes. Uh, we'll talk about, see if I can help. And if I can, I'm happy to do so.
1: Excellent. Yeah, I have a pretty unique last name, too. There's only one other family, I think, in the U.S. that share my name. I don't think there's any relation, as far as I can tell, but yeah, there's only there very few Lisambys out there as well, so if we have that in common. And that, and we're both part of the Maxwell group. There you go. Uh, well, it was, a, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, I think you shared a lot of great leadership bombs. I uh, appreciate you coming on the podcast, and I won't see you at the IMC conference this year, but maybe we can catch up there sometime in the future.
0: Yeah. Well, let's stay in touch and uh, I'll be there in March. So if you come back in March, I'll definitely see you there.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for tuning in to the Leadership Secrets podcast. Please join us next time as we bring you more leadership secrets from the people who are actually doing it. See you soon.